Hebrews 9, 7 through 14. But into the second went the high priest alone once every year, not without blood, which he offered for himself and for the errors or the sins of the people. The Holy Ghost, this signifying that the way into the holiest of all was not yet made manifest. It was in that time period that was leading to God's ultimate plan. The type and shadow, it was the plan coming forth. While as the first tabernacle was yet standing, which was a figure for the time then present, in which were offered both gifts and sacrifices that could not make him that did the service perfect as pertaining to the conscience, which stood only in meats and drinks and divers washings and carnal ordinances imposed on them until the time of reformation. But Christ, being come a high priest of good things to come, by a greater and a more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is to say, not of this building, neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood. Everybody say his own blood. He entered in once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. For if the blood of bulls and of goats and of ashes of an heifer sprinkling the unclean, sanctifying, bieth to the purifying of the flesh, say it with me, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered himself without spot to God, purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? Lord, we are grateful, humble, and thankful for your presence. For the freedom and the privilege to gather, to worship freely, and to hear your word and respond to it. God, we pray for the anointing to open our eyes and our hearts to receive your word. And God, speak to us, we pray today. God, I pray for the anointing to deliver the way you'd have me to deliver it. Help me to do so in a manner that would create a desire in our hearts to follow. And God, we ask it all in the precious name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated if you clap your hands to the Lord. It's so good to see everybody in the house of the Lord today. I want to ask that you continue to lift up Brother Brown, who's unable to be in service, and also Sister Barbara Kidd, who is uh, unable to be here and really really needing a touch and a miracle in her life. But there is hope. We don't know what God has in mind, but we know He's in control. Amen. But we're going to pray for a miracle until we see that God shows otherwise. And that is really the greatest miracle of all. Because that's what we're all living for. Hello? I said that's what we're all living for. I want us to go back to the beginning of time. We're going to travel all the way back to the beginning. To the first couple to ever live on the planet. 
And you know them, well, you know them as Adam and Eve, those that were created in adulthood. But it wasn't long, as you also know, that they fell into sin. They blew the great life that they had. They had it made. They lived in the Garden of Eden, and you, you know the history of that. If not, I encourage you to go back and read it. They had as perfect of a life as possible to mankind. But they blew it. They fell into sin. And due to that, their eyes were open to the knowledge of good and evil. <clears throat> so when God came walking through the cool of the garden as his regular visit with them was, they hid from them because they now had knowledge and recognized that they were naked and hid from God. Amen? I could go a long ways on that, but I'll, I'll go stick with my message this morning. But here's a beautiful type and shadow that when God met with them and they admitted to their failure of disobedience and sin entered the world. The beautiful story we have is a type and a shadow from the very beginning. God went and retrieved an animal that was innocent, that had not done really anything wrong, and he killed that animal to skin it, to give them a covering for their results of sin. Amen? Somebody said their results of sin. In order to do that, in the killing of that animal, blood was shed. And so here we have the beginning of a bloodline that will run from this point until the end of time. Everybody say, the bloodline. I know bloodlines are important, special in royalty. But we are in royalty, my friend. And we, if you've been born again of the water and of the Spirit, and you've been washed in the blood of Jesus Christ, then I want to encourage you, you are of a royal bloodline. You're just not anybody. You're not supposed to live any old way. You don't have to try to make it through life, but you are of a royal bloodline with a great inheritance of an eternal home. But this was the beginning of the blood. The blood was shed. The blood had purpose. Everybody say, the blood had purpose. Amen. Think about it. God needed a covering to cover their nakedness or the results of their sin. But he could not do that without the shedding of blood. He could not get them the covering. And so there's a principle that God can't cover us Without the blood. Without the blood, there is no covering. Without the blood, there is no remission of sin. And so the blood has purpose, and we see here there is power in the blood. I know you're familiar with that song, but that's the title of the message today, Power in the Blood. Everybody look at your neighbor and say, there's power in the blood. We're going to learn more about that today. And some of this is a reminder, praise God. But as we go further, we find that, that they are getting ready to be delivered out of Egypt. God's people are, the Hebrews. And they've gone through the previous nine plagues, and now the tenth plague is coming. And that is where the firstborn of every home was to die. And so there was instructions given to Moses, to the Hebrews, that, that they would go the day before and pick out a lamb, a perfect lamb the best lamb, the firstborn lamb. 
there was criteria to it. They just couldn't go pick out any lamb because this was not for just any purpose. This had to be a special lamb. So they would go and pick that out, and they would kill that animal, and they would eat of that meat. But before they closed the door for waiting for the night, they would put blood on the side post, and they would put blood across the mantle of the door. And so can you imagine that day as the father of that household did not have a clue exactly what this was all about. He didn't understand the power of the blood that was taking place. He was simply obeying the leader, simply obeying the Lord. And as he killed that animal, I'm sure the wife or the child or the older son could have said, Dad, you know, that's the best lamb we've got. Here's one with a little limp. Here's one with little some flaws on it and some blemishes on it. You know, let's let's keep the best for us. But the best don't belong to us. The best that we have belongs to God. So the principle's being laid out. I'm telling you, I'm afraid in this era of time, we have got accustomed to giving us our best and giving God our second. But God is calling the church of this hour. We need to go back to that old principle, to the beginning of time, where God says, where we say we need to give God our best. We'll take what's left. We'll give him what's first. We'll give him the best of what we have. And we need to preach that more often. Because we can get relaxed. And i got to get off of that because i got to preach the message I'm on. But God wants us to give him his best. And so the father just knew, no, I can't. I know that may make sense but, but that to the physical, but this is what the man of God said. And so therefore, we're going to go by what the man of God said. And he got the best of all that he had, and he killed it. And he, whatever he put the blood in to carry to the doorpost, I know not. But I know as he put that blood on the side post and over the mantle, there must have been blood sprinkled all over the ground. There might have been a pool of blood in the doorway. I don't know what happened at that time, but there was blood there. And then watch what the Word of God teaches. They did not really note the fullness of this purpose of what they were doing they were simply obeying but the word of the Lord says this your lamb shall be without blemish a male of the first year you shall take it out from the sheep of your goats and you shall keep it until the 14th day of the month and the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it in the evening and they shall take the blood strike it on the two side posts and on the upper doorpost of the house wherein they shall eat. In verse 12 and 13 it says, For I will pass through the land of Egypt this night. In other words, judgment is coming this night. There's going to be death and the penalty of sin this night for the people who opposed me, the people who disobeyed me. There's coming judgment on this particular night. For I will pass through the land of Egypt this night and I will smite all the firstborn of the land of Egypt, both man and beast, and against all the gods of Egypt, I will execute judgment. I am the Lord. That's, that's, that's a bad deal coming. It's a bad night on the horizon. The Egyptians don't know anything really about it. They don't know about the blood. They don't know about They're not getting their directions, instructions from God. Judgment is coming to them and not God's people. 
there's going to be a horrible night in Egypt because the next morning <clears throat> there's going to be the wails of mothers and fathers screaming and grieving pain, hurting to the core of their heart because the oldest son did not wake up, did not meet them at the breakfast table and someone went to check on him and he was not alive. And so, the, and then the beasts were laying out in the field all through the night. And when the sun rose in the morning, all across their pastures and their fields were the dead animals of the firstborn. Something tragic has came. Can I tell you, there's nothing more tragic than judgment and us not being ready to avoid that judgment. And then he says to the people, and the blood woo, shall be to you for a token upon the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I'm telling you there's power in the blood. What God could have said, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna cover my, my people. This is just for the Egyptian. It's the blood that flows through their veins. That's good enough. I know the difference. I know the difference between their houses. I know each home. I know the number of hairs on their head. I know all about them. I know how to keep my people, but he didn't do that. He said, there's one thing you gotta realize. There's power in the blood. Something's got to die. Something's got to shed the blood. And I've got to have blood over your home. This is in the beginning of time. and In the beginning of God's people being delivered out of bondage. He said, when I see the blood, oh, nothing else will save you. Nothing else will cause me to, to skip your home. Nothing else. He said, but when I see the blood, I want to ask us today, does he see the blood over our hearts? Does he see the blood as a priority in our life? Are we willing to live any old way? Are we just going to take chances? No, we can't afford to do that because every day we've got to die out to sin. Every day we've got to repent of those sins. Every day we've got to come to that precious blood of Jesus Christ because there's got to be blood. And I thank God that he can. I never want to repent of my sins without thanking him for the blood. I never want to every day when I repent and ask God to help me of anything that I've done, thought, or acted, or things that I should have done that I shouldn't have done. I ask him for his forgiveness, and I thank him for that blood because without that blood, there is no forgiveness. There is no remission. That blood's a part of my DNA, and that blood's a part of your DNA. That blood is active every single day of our life. There's not a day I live without the blood. There's not a day you live without the blood. Woo! He said, when I see the blood, and the blood shall be you for the token, you should, let me skip up. When I, when I see the blood, I will pass over you. And the plague of the judgment shall not be upon you to destroy you when I smite the land. I'm telling you, it's good to be in the bloodline. I said it's good to be in the bloodline. I'm thankful to be in the bloodline. But he said, when I see the blood, I'm going to pass over. When you look up that word pass over, it literally means Brother King to hop over. Woo! Here's a deaf angel. 
He don't know. He, he don't know every house itself, I don't guess. But there's a token there. And when he sees that blood over that door, he has no other choice but to hop over that house. And go on to the next house. And there's a house with a... I think he got to certain villages and certain areas. And all he did was just keep on hopping. The angel just kept on passing over. Because the difference was judgment couldn't come to the house where the blood was. I'm telling you why it's so important to live for God. There's coming a judgment day one day. And when he sees the blood, no judgment can come to your house. No judgment can come to your heart. Because the blood will cover you. power in the blood the next day when horrific news and you could hear the wails and the screaming of the loss of moms and dads and families of that oldest son that was dead in the land of Hebrews or in the land of Egypt of the Hebrews there was thanksgiving there was a different sound going forth it wasn't the sounds of wailing and gnashing of teeth, if you will. It wasn't the sounds of after judgment, if you will. But it was the sound of rejoicing and thanksgiving. Oh, I thank God for the blood. I thank God for the blood. The difference was all in the blood. Can I tell us today? The difference is still in the blood. I gotta have his blood. You and I've gotta have his blood over our hearts and over our homes. One, one, one thing that I want to bring before I go on. The key was they had to be in the house. They had to be in the house. You were not safe. The blood's over the house. Hello? Don't try to live for God outside the church. Hello? There's something about the house of God that makes a difference. I'm not saying the death angel comes while church ain't going on. You're not going to make it. I'm not saying that at all when judgment comes. I'm just saying we've got to be a part of the church. We've got to be in the church. And there's a difference between being in the church and in the church. Hello, somebody. I can show up, but it don't mean I'm in the church. I can pay my tithes, but it don't mean I'm in the church. But friend of mine, if there was ever a day we've got to get in this thing wholeheartedly, 100%, not hold nothing back and say you know what I'm in this because I want to be in the house well praise God time went on we find that it was a custom it was a law man sins right we all fall and come short of the glory of God we all like sheep have gone astray we're going to sin I wish we didn't we can't let that sin be uncontrolled but once a year, they would bring an animal that was qualified. And they would bring it for the Day of Atonement. They would bring it once a year to have the priest slay it on the altar. And you can, you've seen pictures. There's tents were scattered all around the tabernacle. And their doorway of their tent was facing the tabernacle. Because this was so important. Because this day... When that blood was shed of the animal that they brought, which had to be their best. Hello? I think we want to bring our best to God. Oh, praise God. So here they are, and the priest takes that animal and slays it on the altar. Blood begins to shed. The first sight 
before death comes, blood arrives. Hello? And they would kill that animal and blood would be everywhere. So the blood was shed. And then, you know, the next steps. But let's go further into the scripture. Throw up my next verse if you don't mind. Maybe I need to tell you which one it is. There you go. But into the second went the high priest alone. So here's the priest. And now it's passed over the blood. Nothing but the blood. He didn't have anything to do with killing the animal. That was the job of the priest. But now the high priest. That's going to go somewhere in a minute. Just stay there. And so I'll go ahead and tell you. Because the real high priest had nothing. He didn't do his own killing. But he did carry the blood. Come on, somebody. There's so much beauty in the types and the shadows of Jesus Christ. I mean, we begin to read through this. It begins to unfold that which is to come, which makes it so much more beautiful because God was putting together a, a plan that come to fruition. And he said they went in, the high priest went along once every year. So he's going in with his blood for John Doe and whoever. I know that's not Jewish names, but don't have any Jewish names right now. He would tote that blood in for that family. Can you imagine the work of the high priest all day long, the stench, the smell of blood, the horrific scenery, what he was going through, and he was carrying that blood. It was so vital because they were depending on him. And he would carry that blood, and he would sprinkle it on the mercy seat. And this would delay, postpone their sins. He didn't remit it. He didn't remit it. Now, let's go a little further. Which he offered for himself and for others. He had to do it for himself because he's not perfect, remember? This high priest isn't perfect. Now, go to the next one. But Christ, being come again, come and high priest of good things to come by a greater and a more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands. That is to say, not of this building. Let me just go ahead and share with you today. It caught, something caught my attention, Brother Lee, in that previous verse that says he went in once a year, but not without the blood. Did y'all catch that? Not without the blood. That, that kind of began to talk to me late last night. Because without the blood, there was nothing going to happen. Without the blood, there was no protocol. Without the blood, there was no order of a plan. Without the blood, nothing was going to get postponed. Without the blood, he had no purpose of going in. But the whole purpose of all of this was to do or to push sins forward. And the only thing that could do that, Brother King, was the blood. Can I tell you, without the blood, we have no hope. Without the blood, there is no answer. Without the blood there is no remission of sin without the blood there's no need to come to an altar without the blood there's no need to even repent but thank God for the blood because of that blood those people had hope because of that blood those people could have their sins put forward and because of the blood of Jesus Christ we can repent we can come to an altar there is hope there is a remitting of our sin but without the blood I've read this many times, but I never caught that. It just kind of jumped out at me. Whoa, whoa, wait a minute. Without the blood, he never went in without the blood because he'd have been wasting his time. Oh, hallelujah. 
You can't go into the Holy of Holies without the blood. A lot of people want to get there, but you can't get there without the blood. Come on, a lot of people want to get to the depths of God, but it can't happen without the blood. They may stand on the outer court of the tabernacle court, and they may feel God. They may hear about God. They may even want God. But there's some place you can't go without the blood. If you want all of God, you can get. If you want the Holy Ghost, which represents the Holy of Holies, then let me tell you, you've got to have the blood. And when the blood's applied, when you're baptized in Jesus' name, you can enter into the Holy of of holies without the blood oh I gotta hurry up I'm afraid there are people in our world today that are trying to reach it without the blood hello we gotta have the blood Whew. I ain't gonna go there I'm gonna move on with the message everybody say thank God for the blood without the blood why was it so important to have the blood because there was no power without the blood. Think about it. You want to talk about the power of the blood? I'll catch back up on notes in a minute. But you want to talk about the power of the blood? How powerful is blood that can wash away my sins? How powerful is the blood that all the things that I've done and you've done, everybody else done, and everybody on the planet. And we're talking about when the blood shed of Jesus Christ on Calvary, it washed away sins that were brought forth to that day. It wiped them all clean. And it gave a providence or a provision from that day forward to the ends of the earth that anybody that would ever sin, there was somewhere they could come. They could walk into that place and they could have the blood applied to their soul. Woo! The old black preacher said one time, he said, mysteries, some things we can't figure out. He said, I can't figure out how, to, how a brown cow can eat gr green grass and produce white milk. He said, but I really can't figure out how Jesus can take this black heart and dip it in his red blood and make my soul white as snow. You know what? I don't have to figure it out. I don't have to know all the dynamics of it. But one thing I know, I thank God for the blood. I thank God there's power in that blood. There's power. It ain't Mohammed. It's not Allah. Come on, somebody. It's not Buddha. It's not Gandhi. It's not any of that. Their blood is dried up and gone. But the blood of Jesus Christ, it lives forever. The blood, there is power in the blood. Woo! Somebody said there's power in the blood. I'll skip on neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood he entered into once the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. You see, he was the high priest that was perfect. That had no sin. There was no flaw. The devil tried to get it, but he quoted the word and defeated him with the word. There was no flaw in this high priest. And therefore, it wasn't a year 
after your deal. When the blood of the lamb, the lamb, let me tell you, you want to talk about that blood? You see, it was different than any other blood because you and I, when we're born, when we were conceived, we got a variant of our blood from the mama and we got a variant of our blood from our father. And that two together determines our blood type. But when Jesus was born, there was a variant of blood from his earthly mother and there was a variant of blood from his heavenly father. It's the only blood that ever walked this earth that was not both earth father and mother but was of earth and heaven it was the only blood that was divine blood because it was conceived of the spirit of God and he got the variant of the father Ha! and that makes it a special blood that makes it a powerful blood that makes it a blood that can wipe away all sin and Jesus entered in what? Another verse said, once and for all, he died once and for all. He entered in once, never again. Do they have to go through and bring that animal? But the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sins of the world. Clap your hands to Jesus. I'm talking about the power of the blood. For in Hebrews... The Bible says, for if the blood of bulls and goats and of ashes and a heifer sprinkling the unclean, sanctified to the purifying of the flesh. I love this part. How much more? If the blood of bulls and goats could help a man be purified of his flesh that was only going to last for a year and he goes back to that point, then how much more, hello somebody, how much more shall the blood of Christ who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? Hold on just a minute. How much more should we reach for hope? How much more that we believe that our sins be removed? How much more should we surrender everything to God because if the blood of bulls and goats can help a man out how much more with the blood of Jesus wash away our sins how much more that should desire drive us to get right with God let me just quit preaching and talk a minute if that did that to the purifying of the flesh how much more should we have a desire to live for God? How much more should not that propel us toward God? Because it's not something that brings a little hope or hope once a year and it pushes it forward, but it's a one and done deal. The blood's applied. We are transformed. We are made new. We are purged. We are purified. We are sanctified by the blood. Hello, somebody. I'm talking about that. How much more should we want to give our all to God? How much more should we want to should run to an altar? How much more should we really want to die out to sin? How much more knowing that the blood of Jesus is what's going to wash us away? Wash our sins away. Everybody say, how much more? Hebrews 9.22 says, and without the shedding of blood, there is no remission. Can I admit, we don't sing enough about the blood. We don't preach about enough about the blood. We don't. There's just something about the blood. You know, if we don't preach about it, and we don't sing about it, not the fact that it diminishes its power, it's there. 
but we don't remind, are not reminded, we don't remember, and we're not so sold on the power of the blood. That's why folks get mixed up in their world saying, God can't forgive me of this. Well, I've done so much, God, I never, ever get, he's done with me. He's gave up on me. Uh, uh, God can forgive some things, but he can't forgive everything. You see, that mind should never enter into our heart, that thinking, because this blood washes away all sin. I'm telling you, it washed away the sins of, of Paul, who was a murderer of God's people, but it washed it away. It washed away the sins of adulterous men and women. It washed away the sins of all the vices of this world come on we've got to have a reminder about the we've got to start singing about the blood I've got to start preaching more about the blood because every new person walks in this door my God they need to see the blood stain better they need to hear about the blood they need to know there's hope in the blood they need to know that no matter how they walk in this service and the condition they're in there is hope because of the blood of Jesus they can kneel in an altar and they can cry out to God his blood will wash away they're seeing as though it was never there they need to know that our world needs to know about the blood I gotta hurry well let me, let me just go on I'm not a singer if I was I'd sing it but why don't we sing more about on Calvary's hill of sorrow where sins demands were paid in rays of hope for tomorrow Across our path were laid. I see a crimson stream of blood. I can't remember a time hearing that song in a church that it didn't bring tears to my eyes, that it didn't bring remembrance and thanksgiving and gratitude to a God that was on Calvary's hill and he bled that crimson stream of blood that flows to the path of my life where I live, where I sin, where I am going to die. But it brings me life and it brings us hope. I'm talking about the blood of Calvary's hill. Would you over evil a victory win? Well, I'm on the wrong song. Sorry about that. I see a crimson stream of blood. It flows from Calvary. Its waves, which reach from the throne of God, are sweeping over me. Oh, I'm talking about, I see a crimson stream of blood. Thank you, G.T. Hayward, for writing that song. Then there's the power in the blood. Would you be free from your burden of sin? There's power in the blood. Power in the blood. Would you over evil a victory win? There's wonderful power in the blood. There is power, power, wonder-working power in the blood of the Lamb. There is power, power, wonder-working power in the precious blood of the Lamb, would you be whiter? Would you be whiter than snow? There's power in the blood. You see, that's why we got to sing it. That's why we got to preach it because there's going to be people walking in from all kinds of this world without hope, without direction, without faith, but they need to hear about a plan. They need to know about the power of the blood that would wash them clean. Nothing but the blood. Y'all bear with me. What can wash away my sin? When I hear those first words, I picture an old drunk or a drug addict or prostitute or maybe a rich person who's just empty. What can wash away my sin? 
what can get me out of this mess that I'm in? What can make me a new person? What can set me free? Where is their hope? Rehab doesn't do it. Money won't do it. Things in this life won't take care of it. Where? What shall wash away my sin? And about that time they walk into an apostolic church and there's a song playing. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is the flow that makes me white as snow. No other fount I know. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. For my pardon, this I see. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. For my cleansing, this my I plea, nothing but the blood of Jesus. Nothing can sin atone, nothing but the blood of Jesus. And I could go on and on. But then I go next to when I see the blood. Christ, our Redeemer, died on the cross, died for the sinner, and paid all his due. Sprinkle your soul with the blood of the Lamb and I will pass, will pass over you. Come on, he's telling somebody through this song, when I see that blood applied to your life, judgment is going to pass. Eternity, you're going to flow into that eternal home without sin and without flesh of this world. When I see the blood, I will pass over you. Chiefest of sinners, Jesus will save. I folks need to hear this. As he has promised that he will do. Wash in the fountain open for sin. That's why that blood was open. That's why the very first piercing of a thorn of crowns on his head that brought the first little bit of blood, that fountain was open because of sin. My sin. Hello, somebody. And I will pass, will pass over you. Judgment is coming. All will be there. Each one receiving justly his due. Hide in the saving, sin-cleansing blood. <laughs> Woo! And I will pass. I will pass over you. Remember when God just had to shed blood to get a covering? He couldn't get that covering without the blood. Right here, that's why he shed over their doorpost and on the, their side post and the doorpost. There had to be blood because he couldn't cover them without the blood. We've lived a sin-sick life and we've lived in a sin-sick world. But when we're born again of the water and the spirit and the blood's applied to our life, then we are hid on judgment day. Have you wonder what's going to happen on judgment day there's some scary stuff there's some bad things but can I tell you if we're hid in the soul cleansing of the blood it will pass over us I don't know about you but judgment day I want that I want it to pass over I don't want to find judgment I want to hear the words well done thou good and faithful servant enter thou to the joy of the Lord all oh, the difference is in the power of the blood All the differences in the power of the blood. First Peter 1, 18 through 19 says, For as much as you know, you are not redeemed with corruptible things, silver and gold, from your vain conversations received by the tradition from your fathers. Money ain't going to get it done for you. Go read the last words of Steve Jobs. Look it up, Google it. You hear a man that came into reality. 
what money couldn't do for him. But with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish and spot. You see, that word precious is where I'm going to close. Peter is the only writer that used, selected the word precious blood. When we look at the word precious, that is something of great value. Speaking of commodities or jewels and stones and things of great value that are precious. He used this word, brother, brother Lee, precious blood. Why? Because there's not anything more valuable in my life than the blood. There's nothing more valuable to mankind than the blood. There's nothing more precious, brother, brother uh, McGill, that he would live and die to shed his blood for my sins. That's why he came. You know I mean? Hear me, that's why he came. Because if I was going to have hope, and you were going to have hope, and this world would have hope, there had to be blood. But without the shedding of blood, I don't know about you, but that blood sounded more precious every day. I'm telling you, I, I don't want to just live any old way. I don't want to trample through the blood. I don't want to uh, walk through that blood as though it was nothing. I, I, we never want to view that blood as something of little value or an entitlement. Hello? I, I never want to view the blood, Brother Roy, as an entitlement. It's not an entitlement. It is an honor. It's a gift. It's a joy. It's something I don't deserve. It's something you don't deserve. But when I came to Him and when you came to Him with our black heart, if you will, with our sin-wrecked soul, and we couldn't find hope, we knelt in an altar and we cried out to a God and thank God for the precious blood, for nothing but the blood of Jesus can wash away my sins. Let's stand together. Every head bowed and every eye closed. Lord has dealt with me for two weeks about this message. It's resonated in my spirit. And that may be why I preach, this, preach so long. But there's something about the power of that precious blood. You know, I'm going to share this in closing. January of 21, you're very familiar with it. I had some situations with health and finally got me on board with doctors. Went in and first thing they did. Oh yeah, they listened to my heart. But the first thing they did, Brother Lee, is they took blood from these veins. And they done metabolic panels. Lipidal panels and other type panels. I don't know all the medical terminologies of blood panels. But they did all these blood panels. Because they needed to know what was really the condition of my life they can see physical signs high blood pressure description of chest pains but they really need to see the true condition of my life and the only way they could really tell is they had to reach into my blood and do that work well sure enough it came back high cholesterol it came back I was a diabetic it came back with all these different levels out of range, some high, real high, some moderately high, couple low, but none of them was where they needed to be in the range. You know, 
when you're 60, whatever age I was at that time, 62, 61, whatever it was. You don't like seeing that. You know, we like to go where you don't go to doctors and you feel pretty good. You'll get old and you have a little pain. We, Brother McGill, we look at those results. I still got them on my phone today. I go, hmm, I'm not doing real good, am I? Because the blood reveals the true condition of life. And so they put me on medication. And they put me on a strict diet of types of food. Stay away from, you know, this you got to eat for cholesterol, high blood, and diabetes, and some others. So, sir, all you can eat is cardboard with hot sauce. So, I just looked at it like this. God, you didn't have to let me live through that. I could have checked out of here like, like many people have. I could have left my children behind with losing both parents in a matter of months. But God, you're merciful. So I'm going to do my part because you let me live. So I, I did, I, and I was strict. So I go back in six months, or I think it was maybe three months, and they did blood work again. And they compared, I still got the comparison on my phone today. And it was improving. Six months later, I went, and it blew their mind because all these high numbers, cholesterol over 200 was now 58. A1C that was 9.2 is now 7 point something. Now it's down to 5.7. I could kick over dead before I get through preaching, but according to that blood, I'm doing a lot better. I feel better. My health is better. Because my blood is revealing the condition of my life. Every head bowed and every eye closed. You see, the Lord does blood work on us. He sees in our life. If there was to be real blood work done that would reveal the spiritual condition of a man, then they would pull that lab work and it would say, this man's living in adultery. This woman is living with drugs and alcohol. And look what it's doing to her life. Because if we let it go unchecked, it, it carries us to an early death and bad health and major medical complications. But they would look and say, here's a man that lies and steals and connives. And here, here's a person. And it can just list all of these things and say, here's what they really are. You can see it in the blood. But then that person can go to an altar. Get it all right with the Lord. And all of a sudden the blood is applied to his life or her life. And then they look again in the blood. And I know I'm just, you know, doing this. It'd be hard to really do it. Only God can do that. But let's just say we could. Then we look back in that blood. And the doctor will say, there's been a great change here. I don't see fornication. I don't see any signs or traces of adultery. I mean, there is no evidence here ever alcohol or drug abuse. There, there's nothing here of being a liar and a cheat and a con artist and a deceit and a manipulator. There's not one trace of that in this blood. What happened to this man or woman? I'll tell you what happened. There's power in the blood we got a blood transfusion 
And we're of the bloodline of royalty now. I want to open these altars this morning. I know I preached over long, too long, but I want to reach for you today, ma'am. Sure, I want to reach for you. God's reaching with His blood. Would you find a place to pray in this altar? Thank Him for the blood. If there's things you need to get right, if there's things you need to bring to the, to the cross of Calvary, there's hope for you today. Don't, don't let anybody tell you that God can't help you. The blood will help you, my friend. Don't let any devil tell you God won't forgive you. The blood will cleanse you, my friend. You say, my world is in such a bad shape. But let me tell you, with that soul-cleansing blood of the Lamb, that blood work is going to be completely different. And there will be no trace or no sign of your previous life whatsoever. Because there's power in the blood.